You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This is our series finale of Gonic Literature, and we are dedicating this class to the Rafur Shlema of Bob Appleson, Dr. Robert Appleson. Um, before we started recording, we uh, indicated the machlokas between Rav Sar Sholem Gon and Rav Netrunoy Gon that's mentioned in the Sefer Amanig, whether on Friday night one needs to increase their tefillot, to increase and emphasize that last hashkivenu brocha, because there's more mazikim, as Natrunoi says, or is, or is there no problem of mazikim, that because since Shabbos is veniska v'adonai levado, that there's no worry about anything except the influence of the Gentile nation's angels, and they are, uh, they are diminished on Friday night, on Shabbos, and therefore, one really doesn't um, need to emphasize Hashkivenu. And if one says it, one should actually try to differentiate completely and use the bracha pare sukkah sholom, as if we don't we not we don't need the shmira, but rather it's the 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 talis of God of peace is enwrapped over us, and there's no problem. God doesn't need to be a shield against anything. We we sort of are reveling in it. Now, I mentioned that the manig, when he talks about the nusach seems to take a sort of in-between path by saying that our nusach, even though we say porei sukkah shalom and not shomer amal yisrael on Friday night, we still say v'hosir sotan milfaneinu machareinu. Now, Chabad and other nuschos eliminate that from their hashkivenu, but it seems like many other Nusach Svard and Nusach Ashkenaz Sudurim follow the Manig in this way, and on one hand seem to agree that Shabbos is not a time that we have to worry too much, but we still, just in case, still say the same Nusach of take that Satan away from us. This seems to, again to indicate that 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 of course the, the Gaonim believed in Shadim, but also had a debate as to the power of Shadim on certain times. But the prevalence of most of the Haggadot were to start the Haggadah in Aramaic. According to Rashi, what was the reason? The reason was the following. The Gemara in Chagiga says that there are six ways, six things about Shadim. Three of them, they are like malachim. Three of them, they're like people. Medabrim beloshen kodesh kimalachim. Meaning, they don't seem to speak Aramaic. Ve'ivo yimedabrim beloshen kodesh. If we would start the Seder in Hebrew, ho'yishomin ma'ashon omrim, they would hear when we say, Remember, we say in the beginning of the Seder, kol dichvin They would hear the Hebrew version of that, which is kol mishu ra'ev yavo v'yochel. So ra'ev, they're very hungry. They, when they hear that hunger, they have a hunger to somehow be connected to us. And they would ruin the meal by Osin Hezek. Therefore, we start the Seder 
in Aramaic, so they shouldn't understand what we're saying. So it's interesting, again, Rashi, he's not from the Gaonic period, but the Holachmania does seem to stem from a period post-Chazal, and it seems to, based the way Rashi explains it, was based on a fear of, of, of Shadim, of Mazikim, on the night of the Seder, which is really strange because, of course, we call it a Leo Shimurim, right? And, and we don't even say Kriya Shmalamita. Even so, there seems to have been this counter tradition of that, of that impulse, that power. Again, you know, clearly you could differentiate by the time the Seder is over, perhaps we don't care anymore. Maybe the beginning of the Seder, we sort of open the door to them. Maybe they've got their nose pressed to the glass and they can't get in. But when we say those magic Hebrew words, that gives them an opening. But once again, we see, uh, I, I think, something similar to, of, to what Rav Natrunoi said, that Shabbos Shechichei Mazikim, on the night of the Seder also, the so here we have the Abraisa in Mesechtas Chagiga, Tona Rabbonin. Shisha Dvarim Nemru Bashedim. Shlosha Kemalachei Ashores. Shlosha Kebnei Odom. Shlosha Kemalachei Ashores. Yeishlem Knafayim. They have wings. Hmm, like Malachei Ashores. And what do those wings enable them to do? They can somehow transport themselves from one end of the earth to the other, like the Malachi Ashores. They know what the future is going to be. The Gemara says that can't be. They know? They have like godlike knowledge? No. Umar says, Shomin Pargud. They're close enough that they can hear what God is decreeing. They don't know in advance. Only God really knows. But they're close enough to the, the big man's office that they have a, they understand what God is planning to do before we do. Then the Gemara says, in three ways, they're like people. Ochun Vishosin Kibneyodam. They eat, they drink. They multiply. Now, this is going to be a very important statement. They're multiplying. And they die like people. Then the Gemara says that human beings are <laughs> in three ways like Malachi Sharis and three ways like animals, which we can leave that part of the Chazal out. This is based on a, this is actually a restating of something in the Ovos de Rebinosan. And it's pretty accurately uh, rendered here. Um, but what does this mean? What are these beings that die? Angels don't die. Angels don't need to eat or drink, as we know from the story of Avram and the Malachim that came to him. But it sounds like these these shadim they 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 like a good steak and potatoes. And the other thing is, of course, their their power of onim or 
Rishonim, except the Rambam, are going to ignore Shadim. They are so, they in the very first Masechet in Shas, they are there. They're the problems that they cause for the Bnei Torah, the way to be able to see them, the fact that their feet are similar to those of a rooster. All of that is, and that's the very first Masechet in Shas. Throughout Shas, the Shadim are there. The Rambam, <laughs> again, there was a, uh, a, a, a sort of a half joke that's been attributed to Rav Simcha Bunim of Pashischa or of Menachem Mendel of Kotsk. When they were was asked, how could the Rambam say and indicate there were no Shadim? Chazal are filled with this idea, even the fact that Noah brought into the Teva Shadim in order for them not to be destroyed by the Mabel. And the Kotzker, or Rabunim, who was the Kotzker's Rebbe, said, the Rambam, there were Shadim till the time of the Rambam. Then the Rambam paskin, there's no Shadim. That's the Rambam, because of his significance, and because of the way he looked at the world, because of his halachic view of the world, and his way of making sense in a systematic way, Paskin, there's no Shadim. And therefore, the Rambam is right. Because after him, there is no Shadim. Now, what did he really mean? Uh, did the Kotzker mean that, that the stories of Shadim are now, they're all phony now? Or did he mean the Rambam's look at the world was different. And since Shadim do not fit in in the Rambam system, the Rambam eliminates them. So anyone who's not on the side of the Rambam is going to obviously embrace and if not necessarily revel and try to explain, will we'll not deny them. A number of weeks ago, I quoted to you the tshuva from Rav Haigon, where he said, I am not going to follow the model of his father-in-law, Rashmu ben Chof, is I am not going to over-philosophize and, and take Divrei Chazal out of context. And he said, it, not every piece of Chazal might be true in terms of ultimately being true, according to all opinions, but I'm going to explain them from the perspective of, of, the, of, of, of the mindset of the writers. And therefore, Rav Haigon unabashedly says he believes that all of these people in Chazal, whether it's Rabbi Akiva, whether it's Hanina ben Dosa, whether it's Rabbi Barakana, amazing, incredible events happen to them that could be considered miraculous, even though they lived post the time of the Nevi'im. His father-in-law felt that all these stories have to be considered allegory because miracles of the type that seem to be uh, proliferate with these wonder stories of Chazal, those type of miracles ended with Nevi'im. That's not what Rav Eigen says. And therefore, I think he represents the, the standard approach of most of the Ge'onim, which was the stories are essentially true. And uh, to over-philosophize and to allegorize them would be incorrect. 
had Rav Hai lived to confront the Rambam, I believe that's what he would have said to him, based on that tshuva of Rav Hai that we read. So, we have been studying the Yerushalmi and Shabbos, and a particular piece of Yerushalmi caught, is in the first parak of Shabbos, talking about the Takana, elaborating on the Takana of the Mishnah that disallows one to study assiduously underneath a light, an oil lamp, for fear of tipping the lamp in a way to strengthen that light, even though you're involved in learning Torah, you're engrossing the engrossment that you have in that in that activity, whether it be learning Torah or something else, will cause you to forget that it's Shabbos and to do an act of Isra. The Yishalmi mentions the great Rav Yishmol, who felt that that takana didn't apply to him. The takana was made for the masses, not for someone who had worked his way to a level of spirituality and 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 control self-control. Rabbi Shmuel said, Ani And there's a discussion whether he actually found himself about to tip the lamp, or did he actually tip the lamp? And was he Machal Shabbos? Gemara mentions that according to Rabbi Natan, he actually tipped the lamp and wrote in his notebook that when the Beis Hamikdash will be rebuilt, I will have to bring a Korban Chatas. On the heels of Yishmol's corrective, we are taught a Mishnah in Pirkei Avos by the Yishalmi, but there was a Chosid Echod, not until you die, but until you reach old age. Because then you are not a target for the titillation and for the sensuality and for um, all the allure that the outside world has. <coughs> You could pretty much assume, especially if you've lived a good life, that you're immune. And he said, Kigon Ani. Now, this doesn't mean Jeffrey Epstein. It doesn't mean Harvey Weinstein. It doesn't mean any of these old codgers. We're talking about someone who was a chosid, someone who lived a life of Kedusha, who had become old. He said, I can already believe that I will not sin. God will protect me. Also, a ruach, a spirit, in other words, a demon, came and tempted him. What happened? The Mepharshim, the Yishalmi say that demon took on the form of a beautiful woman. What was, what happened? Vishori Tohibe. He began to regret gratefully. Umrle, she said to him, 
Vaitotsuk. Don't be upset, Ruach Anna. I am a Ruach. Oz Ezel Vashtave Lechaverch. Go and make yourself equal to your friends. Which might mean get off your high horse. Realize you could be tempted. Don't try to change the Mishnah. Don't try to say the Mishnah should be read. You can trust yourself when you're old. The Mishnah should be till the day you die, and maybe even including the day you die. What happened here? What occurred here? What was he upset about? What sort of nechama, comfort, did the Ruach give her? So the, the, the standard commentary on the Yerushalmi, the Karban Eda, says that Nisise means he started, not that she tried to get him excited, he was so impressed by her that he started to desire her and want her. The Corbinator then says, why was he upset? The Corbinator mentions he did a chet. The Corbinator goes on to say, in commenting on this Yerushalmi, he says, don't be upset. You didn't stumble with a woman, because I was not really a woman. I'm just a spirit. I'm just a demon. So it sounds that from the Corbinator's words, although that he stumbled. What was that stumbling? Chaim Yosef David Azulai. And it would seem, even before him, Rabbi Yitzchok Mivin, in the Sefer Or Zerua, says that this chassid is similar to Adam. Here's what it says in the Sefer Or Zerua from Rabbi Yitzchok Mivin. It mentions the fact that the idea of nocturnal emissions, the idea of being a Valkyrie, the Orzarua says, is really goes, takes us back to Adam himself. We know the Torah writes that Adam was molid bidmusa ukatsalmo. When did that occur? That occurred. That occurred when he was 130 years old. That is where he finally gave birth to Shais, who was his clone, who was like him. What happened up until this time? So the Medrash Tanchuma that the Rabbi Yitzchak was familiar with says that up until that time, he was having relations with demons. And not only that, the Medrash Rabbah, which he does not quote, says that Chava was having relations with demons as well. In other words, those 130 years before Shais was born, before, before Adam knows Chava again and impregnates her, that period of anger between them, both of them sort of went to the demons, went to the Shadim. 
and using the the generative power of human beings together with shadim somehow they produced other types of shadim now the orzarua uses this to say that even though the torah does write lot enough don't commit adultery and the chazal tell us this includes masturbation and other sorts of playing around with the sexual organs. But if we talk about sex with these demons, that was not masturbation. That was not lo sinoif. That was, the Orzerua says, like a balkari. That's like the, that's an onus. Now it's true. A person who, like, like we 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 are taught about Yaakov Avinu, that it was only at the time that he had relations with Leah, thinking she was Rachel, was the very first time he had ever ejaculated. But most human beings aren't that way, and most human beings can point to, according to this, to the model of of Odomarishon. And therefore, it's not masturbation, the Orzerua tells us. It's a balkari. The Orzerua then quotes the Yerushalmi, and he gives us more information than the cryptic words we saw. It says clearly, Upitatoso, she was able to seduce him, Vinizdavgevo, and they did have relations. And the, the, he adds another juicy tidbit here, Vyoma Kippurimhoya, that it was on Yom Kippur. And that's why he was so upset. Now, the the, the Orzerua has a gear so that it's not, it's not the, it's not the demon himself that spoke to him. It was Elio, and Elio said, "Don't worry, your Potter, this was a demon that you were with, and your Potter." Now. So now the question here is, um, so that's so that backs up the carbonada that this actually was a being nichshal. Now the chida asks, okay, you found out that it wasn't really it was it was a demon, but you thought it was a woman. The Gemara says that Rachia Barashi havi rogel ki kol idon davi nofel ape. Rachia Barashi, every time he would say tachnon, he would say havi omar save me from this yitzhar that I'm feeling. Yomachad shamati dvitu. His wife one day overheard his fervent feverish prayers after the tefillah. Now, she had understood the reason why he didn't want to have sex with her was because he had lost the desire. Umra, she said, He hasn't had sex with me for years. I figured he'd, you know, he had gone on to this mystical life. He was now unfeeling. He didn't have any desires anymore. 
But now, my time of Kamar Hochim, why is he saying God saved this aura? It sounds like it's living inside of him, and yet he, I'm here and I'm still alive and I'm still young enough. Why doesn't he satisfy his passions with me? So it was a nice afternoon, and he decided to, to study in the garden. So she, unlike the usual, you know, um, matronly look that she had, she decided to go to um, Fredericks of Hollywood, and she got herself dressed up like a like a real trollop. Koshta Nabsha and Cholvavitodiyakave, and she walked by him. And even though he was supposedly involved in his studies. He couldn't help but talking to her. Omar wa manat, who are you? Omar, she said, Ana Harusa. Now, Harusa was the name, according to Rashi, of a, of a, a very famous prostitute. The Hadre, I just got back. I happen to walk through this garden. Anyway. Just like in the Warner Brother cartoons, right? The Tex Avery cartoons, when the wolf Tava, he said, "Okay, come." Umrile, she said to him, "Okay, I'll have sex with you, but could you just give me that? You're tall. Could you just reach up and give me that pomegranate that's on top of that limb there?" Shavar, he went, he jumped. <laughs> also, icy anyway, he brought her that pomegranate, and then they went and did the nasty. Well, he also obeyed it when he came home to his house. Tanura, his wife, who at this time already had taken off her trollop clothes <laughs> and was now back to doing regular housework, like cleaning out the oven. She sees her husband come in, Solik Vikayosavigave, and he comes and he wants to sit inside of the oven. Umberle, she said to him, My high, what's going on? In other words, the oven was still on and she was cleaning it out, and he wants to be singed by the oven. Umberle, I have to admit to you, I was unfaithful. I did this. Umberle, she said to him, <laughs> That was me. Ah, no, that was me. Ah, which one? No, I can't believe it. That couldn't have been you. Ah, diyovid leisi monoi. Remember, here, does this pomegranate look familiar? Here's the part that's important. I mean, the other part is still, it's it's nice and juicy, but here's the part that's halakhically important. Hebrashi said, I thought I was doing an Isra. I thought I was having relations with a with a whore, that I was doing the love of, 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 of living with a Kadesha. I thought I was doing that. Call Yom of Sadik He fasted at Shemes and he ended up dying by fire. Why did he think that? It's based on a chazal that we learned in Mesechtas Nedarim. The Tanya. The Pasuk says that if a woman makes a neder, the husband, when he hears about it, can eliminate it. It says, Her husband can eliminate the neder. 
Hashem Yisrochlo. God will forgive her. Now, why does God have to forgive her? She made a netter not to drink wine. She made her not to eat watermelon, whatever it was. And the husband canceled it. Why does she need slicha? Ma kosev medaber. It's be'isha shenodra benozir. This is a woman who wanted to take on the stringencies of Nazirus. Now, the husband came home from a trip. The butler says, so your wife has made a netto. And he said, oh, I hereby cancel it. She didn't know he canceled it. And still she drank wine. So here is an example of she believing she was doing something usher willfully, but really her husband had pulled the plug on it. Yet the Torah says she needs forgiveness. And that's why that chassid felt he needed forgiveness. Because in his mind, he was lusting after not his wife, but after a whore. Rabbi Kiva's ki avimoti Rabbi Kiva came to this pasuk avibochi. He said, "Ma mishin es kavn lechobaser chazir vovirubaser tuer." If you have someone who there's stuff cooking in a pot, and he was told it was pig, but really it was kosher sheep meat, the Torah says you need kapara because you thought you were biting into pig. How about somebody who wanted to eat pig and actually ate pig? For sure, look how terrible his Avera is. Okay. Now, our, in our Yershalmi with the shade, why shouldn't he be guilty in the same way? That's the question that Reb Chaim Yosef David Azulai asks on what's called the Sefer Alei Tamar from Rabbi Socher Ben Svi Tamar. Um, now, he posits the following. He wants to say that based on that Orzerua that we saw, that the Orzerua says, you were an Ones. So he wants to say, based on that, that that's a Koach al-Enushi. The Shade has powers. Yes. The shade, you can engage in sex with the shade. It's not like the shade is an illusion. But the shade's power over people is supernatural. It's not normal. And therefore, it's just, it's only as bad as a dream that you couldn't control. You could have been better, but you didn't do an Aveira in that way. So it's not like the person who thought he was having sex with the whore. Here, the desire for her was ignited by a supernatural power. In the story in Kedushin, she just did a great job with her makeup and, and, and her costume. Here, he wants to say, the shade, the encounter that we have with shade is different. They interact with us, but they interact with us in a, such a ultra way that what occurs isn't the real isn't the real me. Now it's still a lesson <laughs> that he should have he shouldn't think that he's so great, and that he should he should keep the mission of the way it is. 
So this is an interesting path about our relation with these shadim. The point is, as he says, that it's in a way, it's it's not considered a real act because it's part of a supernatural experience. One of the other Mepharshim Yerushalmi has another way of putting it. I think I met this author. His name is his name was Aryeh Mizrahi. I met him a number of years ago, and I ended up uh, buying a, a couple of volumes of his Yerushalmi commentary. But I like what he writes in this regard. He says that since this came from Shamayim, in other words, it's not like when we do an Avera, we feel the dirt in our body. We feel the, the sense of disgust of what our body has done. The, 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 the elements that were pressed in this person's brain were not the same elements that are pressed when, you, when, you, when a person sins in a normal fashion. He says. And again, I, he's really going with the same idea that not, that when something happens in through a shade, it's almost a transportation to a, a different type of realm. Okay. Now, the discussion of our Gemara becomes relevant. In this, in the uh, end of in the end part of the 16th century, and maybe even earlier, one of the greatest of the commentaries commentators of in the Shas is Mayor Ben Gedalia of Lublin, the Maram of Lublin. Let me read to you a question that was posed to him. Of that brought many um, business people for a week or two at a time, and communities from all over, Alita and Poland, made their way to Lublin, and there was various discussions that went on there, psokim um, that were issued, and the Maram was busy with that. He says, because these were policies that need to be set for the community. It's not that the Maram had to get a, 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 a wholesale deal on something. Yoma de Shukah meant the machers of the community, the menadvim, the people that were important in each of the communities of the, of the Arba Rotsos would be found in Lublin. And therefore, the Maram would be there with those other leaders discussing about issues that affected the communities in a pan-national way. However, this question came in. A woman who said that she has had sex with a shade. The shade's name was Tarchat. At first, the shade came to her 
in, in the image of her husband. The second time the shade came to her, the shade looked like the Puritz. He looked like the non-Jewish leader of the town. And she is obviously a married woman. She now wants to know, and her husband wants to know, can she still live with her husband? Because maybe, although the shade might have had some power over her, so she enjoyed it at the end, as it seems to be that when she talks about that event, she doesn't say she was raped by this demon being. She seems to have enjoyed it. And it also turns out her husband is a Cohen. What should we do? Or maybe we should maybe we should consider this as if she had sex with an animal. That the Gemara says in Sota that that's not called Znus. She's a weird girl, but she's not considered being unfaithful. She can live with her husband again even if she initiates the sex with the animal. Or maybe not, because the shade took on the form of a man. And the Gemara in Chagiga says that parim viravim kibnei odam. Well, the Maram deals with the question seriously. He assumes that this was a shade. The Maram lived post, post the time of the Rambam. Um, one of my um, people that I had the schus to be connected to 40-something years ago was Rav Spielmann, Rav, uh, in, in Flatbush, who was a Munkatcher Chosid, who also wrote a parish on the Zohar. He quotes this Maram to, against the Rav Simcha Bunim, who said that after the Rambam's time, there are no shadim. Here's a story that the Maram assumed was a real shade. I'm a little skeptical, to tell you the truth. <laughs> but the Maram never doubts the fact that this shade was Tarcha Archat. And the Maram is matter her because he proves that a shade is not a human. A shade is not an ish. And therefore, he says that... Um, and he, he brings a raya from the ultimate rationalist, the Rambam. Because <laughs> the Rambam keeps on saying that when it comes to a Kohen, it has to be an Adam. An Adam. An Adam, although the Rambam doesn't say anything about Shadim, would exclude Shadim. And therefore, the Maram was matir, this woman. And he mentions himself again. He says, I wrote this Bikitzer Muflag because there's so much tirda." Again, going on during this uh, bizarre period, bizarre meaning not B-I-Z, but B-A-Z, Naum, the name Hatorid, Mayor Ben Marina Reb Gedalia. So the great-great-great-grandson of the Maram, Rav Chaim Rappaport, who quotes his ancestor, and he says, maybe the Maram is wrong, Maybe a shed is worse than an animal. Why? So he quotes a Kumara in Bava Basra, 
and in Sanhedrin. In Baba Basra, in Sanhedrin, I'm sorry, it says that one of the reasons why um, when it comes to uh, where do we know that you aren't supposed to live with an animal, that Adam Arishon couldn't live with an animal, because Adam Arishon was told, you become one in the copulation, and you're able now to produce a child. With a behemoth, although you could get your jollies, there's no connection, really. They can't have a child, and you can't become pregnant from an animal. However, Rav Chaim Rappaport points out that the Gemara in Baba Basra, when it talks about the famous Gemaras of Rabba Barchana, mentions the shade Hormin Barlilut, Hormin. And it talks about the fact that Hormin was showing off. He was showing off his amazing power. What was his amazing power? His amazing power was he was able to ride two donkeys while each donkey was in a different, on the top of a, of, of a wall, on two different sides of a river. And he was able to ride them simultaneously. And Rabbi Barakana saw this. The Gemara then says in Baba Basra that Shomu Bey Malka, that the, the house of the king heard about this and somehow had him had him stopped or killed. So who is this house of the king that stopped him? So the Rashbam has two pshatim. One pshat is that the head shade, the king of the shadim, said, no, no, you shouldn't be showing off in front of humans, and stopped him. The other pshat is that it was an actual human king that was able to stop this shade. And the Rashbam says, he was afraid. The regular governor, or satrap, or king in that area, when he saw this, uh, this, this revelation of power that this shade was showing, he said, "Uh-oh, people are going to choose him to be the king." Why would they choose him? Rashbam says, "Shahoya also shade may adam habo because. That Herman, his mother was Lilith, but his father was a human. So in other words, going back to Adama Rishon, a man and a shade and a shadah produce a human shade type of being, a, I guess, a composite being, a composite being part shade, part human, but still has those shade powers about him. So therefore, Rav Chaim Rappaport says, so even though you want to say sex with an animal is disgusting, but you can still live with your husband, that's because ultimately nothing could ever happen. There's no znus with an animal because it could never lead in any way possible to procreation but a shade, whether it's a male shade or a female shade, leads to some sort of procreation. The same way the, the demon mother produced Horman, that woman in the Maram's story 
could have been impregnated and could have actually borne some sort of shade being. An animal, it's disgusting, but it's just like a woman who loses her virginity through a horseback riding experience. But a shade can give birth to inhumans. And therefore, he says, she should be considered a zona. And therefore, even if the husband was a Yisrael, she should be Osir. Now, you're right. It says, Ish, Vishochav Ishosa. So you want to say a, a shade is not an Ish. I say a shade is an Ish. How does he know this? Because we know Yehoshua met the Malach on the night after the debacle by the eye. And the Malach came with a sword. The Gemara says in Megillah that it says that, that there was an Ish standing in front of him with a sword. And the Gemara says that Yeshua suspected it was a shade. So you see, a shade, when he takes on this form, is an Ish. Incredible. So Chaim Rappaport wants to basket that the woman should be ushered to her husband. Now, um, Rev Kreisworth, Rechaim Kreisworth, who was the Rav in Antwerpen and a wonderful, tremendous Talmud Chochem, um, who died a number of years ago, quotes Rabbi Yaakov Ornstein, who was the Rav of Lvov, Lemberg, and says, first of all, Rappaport's proof from, this is not sheer Rappaport, this is Rechaim Rappaport, who was considered one of the Gedalia Poiskim in, in the end of the, um, in the end of the 18th century. Um, he says that, um, first of all, the, the Pusik says it was an Ish because it was a Malach. And a Malach in the form of a man, just like it says, Adonai Ish Milchama, could also be an Ish. But there's a Gemara in Gitin, which proves the Maram is right. The Gemara Gitin on Daf Samiches mentions that Shlomo HaMelech wanted to um, find the Shamir. The Shamir would allow him to carve out all the stones in the Beis Hamikdash without using any sort of metal. He wanted everything in the Beis Hamikdash to be built without the use of a weapon, something that could be used as a weapon. And the Shamir, which we know was able to inscribe the names of the Shvatim on to the uh, the 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 shoulder plates of the Kohen Gadol, and 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 on the breastplate as well, Shlomo needed to find the Shamir, but the Shamir had been in a way hidden away um, uh, through Ashmadai, the king of the Shadim, had somehow been responsible for making sure that the Shamir was was away. Anyway. Shlomo Melech needed to, to somehow trap Ashmedai. And by trapping Ashmedai, he was able to discover where the Shamir was. And he sent Binyo Ben Yoyoda on a mission to find it. It's a very interesting, complicated Gemara. The point, though, is, is Ashmedai spent a decent amount of time as Shlomo Melech's prisoner. And Shlomo Melech engaged in a discussion with him. 
And Ashmedai, like all great tricksters, this king of demons, was able to free himself of Shlomo's bonds. And then, with an incredible magic, the Gemara says, was able to transport Shlomo to some other place in the boondocks, turning him into some sort of, uh, and maybe even changing his look and making him look like some beggar, while he took on the visage of Shlomo HaMelech and acted like the king. And the Gemara says in Gitan that Ashmedai went over to Shlomo's concubines and wives and demanded to have sex with them, even though they were menstruating. In fact, he decided to take a, take a, a, a take a uh, an attempt with his own with with Bacheva herself, who was still alive. The Gemara says. Now, what does Rabbi Yaakov Ornstein want with Eskimara? The Gemara says he he the shade wanted to have relations with them. He assumes, like the Corbinada, that it probably occurred, just like it occurred with that Chosid. So he says, wait, was Shlomo usher now when he comes back? After Shlomo was restored, and Shlomo's, um, his, his cabinet, his group of advisors were able to discover that this is not really um, Shlomo, because there's this old man claiming, there's this beggar claiming to be Shlomo, and Etc. So once they were able to try to restore things, wasn't Shlomo usher to his wives? And then he goes even further. He said, and his wives must have known that they, that wasn't Shlomo. They knew that Shlomo would not have willfully, Rabbi Yaakov Ornstein says, wanted to have relations with them. So it must be that even though they were willfully seduced by this demon, that they would be mutter. And this, again, is a raya to the Maram's Psak about what this encounter entails. And therefore, it's not like Rappaport was Sifzachai Yishtern. was one skeptical voice that I found about all this literature. He says that if the Maram is right, if Rabbi Yaakov Ornstein is right, that these demon relations have to be considered beyond, just like we saw. They are supernatural to the point that it's not really a human. It's not a man. The event is, is, is it's not even an ones. He says, according to this, lo tesar shum isha, shazinsa. If we use this maram, every woman will be free to have some sort of affair. And even if she gets pregnant, she'll say, well, I thought it was, she'll use an excuse. I thought it was my husband. There was some sort of demon. He says, as we know from earlier history, that we know that's what ancient history tells us that these priests used to do. They used to take on an image as if they were a as if they were a god coming uh, to to the world. There's some chuva 
where he actually takes umbrance with this with this uh maram because this opens up every woman to say that <laughs> that this is what occurred um and as he says here ein lahamina <laughs> in other words even if you want to bring the agadata about Odomarisho, and that was all an accident, and that was all, he says, You cannot use these stories about Odom and Chava to paskin in the modern day to say that these women, right, were are somehow allowed. He says that, and the second thing is, we can't believe her that, oh, she thought it was her husband, and that later... I, I want to end tonight with an amazing piece of, of, of Psak on, on this matter from the Munkatra that I mentioned before, the Rebbe of Rabbi Spielman, who impregnates a Jewish woman. That baby is 100% Jewish. And we will perform the bris milah on Shabbos, even though there's no father who is commanded to do the mitzvah. The Munkacher of Chaim Elazar Shapiro wrote a sefer on Hilchas bris milah. He himself was a Moel, and he wrote a sefer on Hilchas bris milah and Hilchas tefillin called Os Chaim B'Shalom. So he quotes the sefer Kava Yosher. The Kava Yosher, the Kava Yosher was one of the most popular svarim. It's stories and Musr connected to the Parsha from Ratzvi Hersh Kaidenover. As you can see here, he died in about 1712, and he was the actual Av Bezden of one of the most important communities in, in, in Europe of Frankfurt. Now, the um in the Sefer Kavayosher, the Sefer Kavayosher has a story. It's a type of story that maybe Karlbach would somehow make use of. Darshan's this Pasik, Yivarechacha Hashem with money. Yishmarecha from Mazikim. How do money and shadim come together? So he illustrates this by a story. He says, I heard this story. There was a man who was incredibly wealthy. He had gold. He had silver. He had diamonds. He loved all his money and his baubles. He was, but he was a miser the likes of no one had ever seen. He didn't even want to go to show on Tuesdays and Thursdays because that was the day that the, that the Aniyam would come and he didn't want to be in show. He didn't want to have that embarrassment, but he didn't want to part with any money. There was one mitzvah and one mitzvah, the Kava Yosher says, that was able to save him. And that was he was a mohel. And he would 
always perform a bris no matter what. And even though it cost him money to get there, he would always go. For some reason in his mind, he didn't want to spend a cent on anything. He just wanted to keep on having things. But for a brisim, he was willing to do. One day, a shade came to him. And the shade said, but the shade didn't appear as a shade. The shade appeared as a human and said, I've had a son. Now, it's far away. I hear that you'll go anywhere to, to, to do a brismila. Will you come and do it? So he went, he got his, his, his mila bag with his knives, and he said, okay, let's go. Well, interestingly, this man had a nice carriage, and they went off into this carriage that this man owned, but he didn't realize. They came to a, in the normal road, they took an abrupt left turn. They went into a forest that no one had ever traveled. There was, it wasn't a highway or a road at all. There were hills and valleys. It took two days. Incredibly, the carriage was stuffed with enough food for them to live on. On the third day, they came out of this wilderness into this beautiful little town. It was a Norman Rockwell type of beautiful city, 20 beautifully houses. When the Moel saw the carriage come up to the home of his host, he saw that this wasn't a regular house. This was an, an amazing palatial estate. And there were servants, there was fish, there was meat. The Balabos got out of the carriage. He gave the horses to be fed. The mole didn't realize anything was going on. He had discovered this amazingly little Jewish city in the middle of nowhere, so beautifully built. The Kamsen Moel went to find the mother. When the mother saw him, she, she called to him. I need to tell you something. You should know what you're seeing here is somewhat of an illusion. This man is a shade. He's a demon. I'm a regular human. But when I was young, the shadim came and kidnapped me. And everything they do, it's all illusion here. But I'm here with them. And I'm telling you that I want you to, I did have a baby through him. So you must perform the bris. But I want you to know that you have to be so careful. Do not take any food. Do not take anything to drink. Don't take any gift. Don't take anything from any of them. They're all shaden. He was so scared. What should he do? That night, everyone came to the house. They came in their carriages looking like humans. But really, they were demons. And it was the time for, of course, the Vochnacht, which is the night before the bris. And the, the demon, of course, who had brought the moel there, said, oh, come, wash your hands. Come on, we're having a sudas mitzvah here. I know. He, made a, he gave an excuse. He says, oh, I'm so tired. He wouldn't believe it. I'm so tired. I can't eat or drink anything. No, the next day, they went to the town's beautiful 
little synagogue, their Beit HaKnesses. And there was a regular minion there with Tefillin and Talesim. And they sang V'charisim O'Abris. And then they brought in the baby, just like a regular little town would do. And there was a Sandik that was appointed. Oh, and the Sandik said, I'm inviting everybody to my house after the bris to have a lachayim and lekach. So, of course, the Moel had to go with the Sandik. That's, of course, the custom. When he was asked, no, take some cake, take some drinks. Oh, the Moel said, uh, you know, I had a terrible dream last night, so I'm, I'm fasting. No. Um, he says, okay, tonight, the, oh, the Balabas said, you came so long, we're going to have a grand meal for you that you were willing to come to our town and be the Moel. Of course, what did he really want? He really wanted to get him to, to take some of the food. And once he took food, then he would control him. That night, the night of the Brismila, even though it was a party to celebrate the Moel, he didn't eat anything. Again, he made some sort of excuse, oh, I've got such a headache. And of course, all the demons around him were eating and drinking. And the Balabayas said to the Moel, okay, let me take you to a room I want to show you a special room in my house. Oh no, the Moel thought. So he went with him to a certain room. And the owner of the house, this head shade, showed him silver, gold. He said, you can take whatever you want. Take something for a keepsake. The Moel said, uh, uh, I've got gold and silver stuff in my house. I have a pretty fine collection as well. Uh, I have jewels. I have rings. Uh, I have necklaces. Uh, I have bracelets. Uh-huh. Well, maybe you want to add a ring to your collection. No, no, no. I don't want anything. Uh-huh. You don't want any of these jewels, these baubles? No. And he took him into another, even a more inner more chamber. What was there? All that was there was keys. The whole room was keys, keys on pegs, so many. And the mole said, wait, that, that, that chain of keys looks familiar. That looks like what I have in my house, the one that opens up all my store boxes, the one that opens up all my uh, my treasure chests. The Balabai said, the Balabai said to him and said, huh, I showed you all these baubles, all these silver and gold, and the only thing you're interested in is that keychain, huh? It's just cheap metal. And the keys are made out of cheap metal. He says, the reason why is because they look exactly like the keys in my house. Hmm. So the shade said, hmm. The truth is you did something that most humans wouldn't do. You came to give a bris to, for my son. I see you were able to withstand the desire to eat and drink. You took nothing. 
you win. I want to tell you that I am the head shade of this area. And you know what I'm in the head of? These people. People like you. People who are in their heart are basically miserly, who don't want to give anything. And that's why all those keys, <laughs> I have them. I'm stopping them. I'm feeding on their desire, their desire to, to own. I'm part of that. I'm strengthening that. And I'm stopping that. That's why you can't go to show on two Mondays and Thursdays. That's why you hate giving stucca. We are bound in ways you don't realize. That's why you don't even want to buy good stuff for yourself. You don't want to even spend anything for yourself. I'll tell you what. I'm freeing you. Take your keys. Take that ring that's the double of what you have in your house. You're free from my control. So he took the ring of keys. He came home and he discovered he was different. And he decided he was going to use his money to build a new shul in his town. And everybody knew that his house was always open for Tzedakah. And, of course, he died not only as a famous Moel, but as a tremendous Baal Tzedakah. That's what we say, he says, that God gives you money, but you know what? Sometimes your desire for money is fed by this inbred as we saw, karkite, miserliness that is somehow connected to the power of the Shadim. That's why Yishmerecha, Yishmerecha min amazikim, based on this story. Anyway, beautiful story from the Kavi Yosher. What does this have to do with Halacha? Well, the Munkacher um, says, everybody knows this story. That's the question. <laughs> right? The baby was born to a shed. What was that baby? That's what the Munkatra's question is. And he quotes the Maram, he quotes the Rav Chaim Rappaport, he quotes the uh, uh, he quotes the uh, the Rav of Lavuv. And he wonders, could he have done the bris on Shabbos? On one hand, the father, although he could produce a child, is not part of Klal Yisrael. He doesn't have the mitzvah of Mila. So therefore, they're not connected to the mitzvah. Although we talk about Chava. But maybe Chava didn't have human being children. What she had were basically demons that weren't really human at all. But he says, nobody quotes the Kavayosher. The Kavayosher, we do see that there was a child born from a Jewish woman. And he says, He's just a storyteller. He was considered the Rav of Frankfurt, one of the great Gonim. And we can't just push him away and say what he said is nothing. He says, it must be that there was a real story and he knew about it, etc. He says, the story must be true. 
Look at that. Look, look how incredibly it was written. And he, he brings a proof to it from the famous Zohar that Achashverosh and Esther never really had relations. Esther was an expert in demonology, and she was able to send a demon that looked just like her. Well, if that's true, the Munkatra says, we know Daryovish was a byproduct of that relationship. If the Zohar is right, then Daryovish is really the child, of course, of who? Of a demon. Now, he says, you can't make a difference whether the father's a demon or the mother's a demon. Now, we know, the Munkatra says, if a Jewish woman has a, has a non-Jew impregnate her, you still do the bris on Shabbos. Well, there you could say, because there's a Pusik. The Pusik says in Sefer Dvarim, Bincha habom Yisrael is kori bincha, that a Jewish child is always a Jewish child, even though a non-Jewish father. But maybe a shade is different. Maybe a shade, because of his supernatural powers, because of the aspect of the relationship that is beyond our ken, because of how super real it is in some way, maybe the child is a shade, doesn't have a shame, Yisrael. When a Yisrael is, is involved with a non-Jew, the Torah says the non-Jewish aspect is, is, is primary. But maybe again, when we're dealing with this being that could procreate with us, maybe it's not that way. Therefore, he says, I have a suffix when they give a bris on Shabbos. But then he wants to paskin maybe like this. Think about it. If we say it's connected to the mother, just like a non-Jew, then of course, the child is a complete Jew. And even though the bris is on Shabbos, we should give do the bris. Maybe you want to say this is different than a non-Jew. There's a super existence that even though it causes her to become pregnant, somehow is that overwhelming beyond power like we saw before? Okay, so let's say it's a baby is a shade. Well, and therefore we're going to view it based on them. Well, a shade, there's not a problem. A shade doesn't have a, a problem of cutting on Shabbos. The only reason you can't give a bris on Shabbos is because you are doing a tikkun for them. You are, you are bettering their body. But if it's a shade, he says you can't talk about wounding them or making a chavola. Right? They're not really physical that you're going to say, look what I did, I just wounded you. Basically what they are, are non-beings that have an aspect of humanity. And therefore it's not a tikkun on Shabbos. So you could do the bris on Shvarei into a world of belief. The belief that these beings exist. And incredibly we share this planet with them and our interactions with them are, are somehow meant to, I guess, inspire us to the best part of who we are. Um, there's no, I, 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 as long as this class has been, it's not the definitive end all be all, but I think it's a nice way to, as we say, 
um, wave goodbye for a little while to Gaonic literature. Hopefully, we'll, hopefully this means we're opening up a whole new chapter of, of learning together. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 